Welcome to another episode of I Am The Night, the weekly show where we break down episodes of Batman the Animated Series. This week we're looking at episode 37, it's our 33rd episode, and this one's The Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne, written by David Wise with Judith in Garfield Reeves Stevens and directed by Frank Power. Adam, the title does give something away. It really does. We should have... Well, I rather should have seen it coming. I honestly didn't expect to see this little slice of the Rose Gallery until his name was dropped later on in the episode. But I really should have seen it coming. He's a personal favourite of mine. Just the not one of the great psychological villains who attacks Batman on a non-brawny angle. But it was a very nice portrayal of a personal favourite. And I think this was a solid, classic episode. Absolutely. I thoroughly enjoyed this one from the opening scenes of that beautiful... Art Deco Bridge and all the radically amazing cars that you cannot place a time on. Everything about this episode was vintage, not just Batman the Animated Series, but vintage Batman. Very much so. We got slices of all of them with visions of lots of different villains from across his canon coming together for their utmost and... Yeah, it was an absolute romp that showed all sides, and she showed a hero heroics in all sides, which was a unique thing to see. I was very, I was very surprised by this episode, but I think it's matched up to the overall great quality of the show thus far. Do you know? Think that um, it's a great little companion piece to the episode from a few weeks back, where poor old Alfred gets sent to the spa because mm. Bruce thinks there's nothing going on but he's quite happy to go to this one because there's a mystery afoot after the, the judge is blackmailed by a strange videotape. Well either way if you want to look at it one way or another it's put me off spas because apparently that's where <laughs> villains do their work and they can't be trusted. Yeah. Oh, my, yeah. my own morbid curiosity did want to do that like exfoliation thing with the fish in the tank no, with the feet. No, no, I hear that's no, not no, good for you no, but no, no. I also have like very strange feet, so it might be good for me. But no, I've been sworn off spas because that's where all the villains do their work. Well, we've seen it twice now. First, Poison Ivy, and in this one, Hugo Strange is the tip of the iceberg. As, well, anyone who reads comics knows that Hugo Strange did discover Batman's identity very early and through varying stages of his, of his career used it to try and aid blackmailing but then he actually saw himself as being potentially an even better Batman than Bruce and bulking up and trying to steal Bruce's identity and everything else that goes with it. The sad thing is that he was so brilliantly portrayed in this episode but Adam, I'm not sure if you're aware, this is Hugo Strange's only appearance in Batman the Animated Series. Oh, really? It is, yeah. Ah, that is interesting. I feel that with the nature of how the episode ended, that's okay, because there was a nice little open and shut nature of his obsession. If he's got it quite cleverly disproven, quote-unquote, that Bruce Wayne is not Batman, we can (laughs) be okay with him maybe dropping this obsession, and Hugo Strange gets reprimanded and... And goes on to live a normal-ish existence somewhere else. It would have been nice to see him try to grow into that obsession. But otherwise, nah. If it's his last girl, then that's fine. We've got him sort of at his core nefariousness. Someone who knew the secret and was trying to use it for his own ends. And that's what we got from this episode. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I like this side of the character a lot more than some of the aspects of the character we actually got from the comics. Like... Um, in early golden age appearances he was 
a, a mad scientist. He um, had monster men working for him. He mutated people. And then in the more um, realistic Bronze Age stories, after Danny O'Neill revamped the character and the Batman mythology, he was literally just a mad scientist obsessed on breaking Batman or taking his place. But this is like a perfect midpoint balance. He's oh. still a mad scientist. He's got the device which can read your mind and transfer your, your memories to videotape, which is just so a 90s. magic piece of nostalgia. I love it. Uh, and he's got the Batman obsession as well. So it's, it's like a perfect little marriage of 80 years of the character. This show has a really good habit of being able to blend together lots of different origin oh, stories yeah. and multiple characters, so it makes sense that they're able to do this here, especially if there is only appearance, allegedly. Um, yeah, I'd say combining the mad science of the outlandish machine, but he was always a psychological trickster of a kind. Mm. So this kind of Definitely. mad invention would be perfect for him, but also the obsession and using the knowledge he has over Batman as his weapon and his MO was definitely a more consistent thing of a new Hugo Strange. They've been able to blend together both sides really, really well. I agree. I agree. And it, it starts off as a brilliant little mystery where you see a prominent judge being blackmailed because of whatever's on this tape and how it got there. And obviously we go to find after Bruce immerses himself into the Yucca Springs resort that Hugo Strange has a device which can literally pluck your thoughts out of your head and record them. And he uncovers Bruce's secret and the fact that he's Batman. But this is also, again, another step closer without physically showing the whole thing of giving us Batman's origin again. And again, it's more images. Mm. It's beautifully done. It's flashes between a young Bruce Wayne and a young Bruce Wayne with Alfred seeing the shocked faces of Martha and Thomas Wayne and the floating gun. We just see yeah. a gun down Crime Alley. We don't see a Joe Chill figure. We don't see another person. We just see that object, that image of death, and then the sudden shift to that elemental vision of those bats that's inspired him since. Yeah, we absolutely. never get anything clear because ultimately, psychologically speaking... When a person remembers something, they don't remember the exact recollection. They only remember the exact events of yes. the memory. They remember how the memory inflicts on them emotionally. And they remember what they remembered the last time they remembered it. Yeah, Memories are weird, but I find that sort of stuff interesting. So technically, that is as close to accurate as he would really remember it. Because it was so traumatic. And it happened to him when he was very young. The numbers changed, depending on which origin you read. The sure it happened to him when he was young and it was traumatic but the lot of the trauma would really mask over some of the details so he would only really remember the fear and the terror and the anguish and the faces of his parents but he wouldn't necessarily remember the figure the details just how it would make him feel and then that sort of core memory goes on to him seeing those bats and him feeling the need for revenge and then becoming Batman, which is what you know, Strange was able to put together for his little plan. And I love what you said that memories are literally just flashes, just images, and, and so beautifully pointed out in this episode with just that close up of his mother, her face, and you don't know whether she's afraid, in pain, or what, but it's just this wide eyed image of the mother's face then she fades into the distance then it's his dad's face and then he fades into the distance so you know exactly what happened hmm. even if you don't see it and I think that's 
as clever a showing of Batman's origin as possible. I mean, with Dick Grayson, we more or less saw it all. What we didn't cleverly see was them falling to their death. We just saw the broken rope. And that's one thing this series does, is its use of imagery without smacking you over the head with it. It's, it's just genius. Fundamentally, they are still trying to market for a Saturday morning yeah. kids audience. So there is some particularly gruesome stuff in Batman stories. I've known Batman cartoons out there that haven't attempted to do a Two-Face story at all, let alone as well mm. as this show has, because ultimately it involves a man named Harvey Dent getting his face burned off. Mm. But they're able to do it where you don't see the horrendous burning or melting or whatever. You just see Batman's legendary shock face. We, again here, don't get to see the fall to the death of the Flying Graysons and we don't see the gunman taking out the Wayne family. We just see them fading away and then fall, and then falling into an unknown distance. It fills in enough of a gap so that people can put in their imaginations so that we can imagine just how twisted the Graysons were hitting the ground. Mm-hmm. We can imagine just how the bullets fly down that night in Crime Alley. It makes it worse for us because those, those were also shown to us in flashbacks. So yes. we're also seeing it how the characters Batman and Robin remember it. Yes. So we don't necessarily need to see all of the details either. And it's it's a breath of fresh air because again we've said it before in other episodes that that story's been done to death and seeing it in snippets and, and images and emotion rather than seeing it happen again is is just a brilliantly handled thing that this series does so very very well. But like you mentioned at the top of the show, it's not just Hugo Strange that appears in the episode. Obviously, we get the obligatory um, appearances from Alfred and Commissioner Gordon and some great Robin stuff, but also. Well, what are you going to do if you're a nefarious mad scientist who's discovered Batman's secret? Well, he's been using these tapes to make some money off of blackmailing, it seems, by the looks of it. He's sitting on something very valuable, so he would want to sell it to someone that would value that information. Uh Or three people who would value that information. (laughs) Some of the worst, some people that I know... It's a nice idea to look at Batman's villain sort of like in a room, just sort of like around a table nefariously plotting of how they're going to get at Batman like some scenes from the actual movie movie of Adam West's Batman but in actual fact these characters really don't like each other Mm -hmm. it's like very well documented across their entire span of comics but every now and then there might be something some new information some evidence of who Batman really is or what we could learn from him that sort of brings these nefarious characters together and Hero Strange was able to do that with three of Three of the worst, probably, as far as we've seen. Well, I, I, I said it in my notes that the ones he picked are the big three. If anyone knows Batman villains, I think these are the ones they'd name. Hmm. Joker, Two-Face, Penguin. They probably are the big three of Batman's villains. I feel like it's because they have the strongest visuals out of any of the other looks of Batman. Because... You can sort of conflate the Riddler with the green and purple on the purple and green of the Joker. You can 
Scarecrow's probably secondary enough, and in terms of like the zygotes mm, right now, absolutely, he's not been represented enough outside of maybe the Arkham games or Killian Murphy. But then again, people would also think of Killian Murphy, not the full regalia Scarecrow. Scarecrow. These Just three the mask, yeah. have like such strong visual looks that for most viewers that not maybe aren't necessarily as clued up as uh, you or I they would be the strongest of the purple and green that you would find clashing with Batman the little split down the middle and contrasting the huge physical form of Batman with the small sort of roundish yes. penguin like oaf figure yet yeah, they do have a very distinctive look that would really resonate with a lot of viewers which is why I think they chose them and it's also interesting that Hugo Strange shows them as well because they're probably the ones with the most capital that would be able to put a decent price tag on the table. Exactly. They're the most famous, and I love what you said. It's because of that that look, the mystique of the characters that's lived for decades and decades and decades. Obviously, Two-Face is the youngest, only really appearing in the 50s, but Penguin and Joker almost from the beginning, and they're iconic. Yeah. Even Thrad and West's TV show, they're three characters that um, were superb, but Two-Face, I don't know if you're aware, didn't actually appear in the Batman I was about series. to ask, because I, yeah. I would have known if he had, because I, I can picture Cesar Romero and the, the moustache that is, of course, not there. Who would ever say that there's a moustache there? <laughs> I know what the Penguin lo- looks like in that movie. Burgess um, Meredith. So, yeah. Um, I think it's Catwoman's iconic, the great, great green leotard of the Riddler doesn't need to be talked about. But then you get also absolute classics like Egghead. Yep. And Condiment King. King Tut. Oh, yeah. But no, Toothface um, was due to before the show was cancelled, but thankfully they did a wonderful thing um, and they finished it after Adam West passed. They did a, a movie and they got another 60s icon in William Shatner to oh, play Harvey Dent Two-Face oh, in amazing. the animated movie which, which you have, we have to see was they did two Adam West movies animated and the second one was completed shortly after his passing so uh, we need to check that out because I have to see uh, or actually hear William Shatner hamming it up as Two-Face I, I need that in my life and I can't yeah. believe I haven't seen it yet because after he got a little older Adam West was still quite committed to the character of Batman because I, I still also really want to see these even though they are way lighter slices of Batman media that I'll never be interested in but I know that he's done at least two crossovers with Scooby-Doo yes are those any good? yes good they're awful <laughs> they're, they're so Bad, they're brilliant. Yes, you do need to see them. The best community crossover is Supernatural, but we digress. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they said visually they're striking and they're the ones that people know, so they had to appear. But I have to go back again to the brilliant direction of these episodes. Did you spot the. Also, actually, let's talk about the, the voicemail first of all. If you go straight, no, is phoning the villains. Joker's voicemail message. Wonderful! I can't come to the I can't come to the phone right now. Uh, you're lucky. You're unlucky to have this number. Please leave a message after the shriek. After the shriek, <laughs> and then some poor innocent soul saying, "No, no, 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 stop!" Ah! Amazing, absolutely amazing. It's good for a clinically trained psychologist like Hugo Strange to take that kind of voicemail message in his stride. But yeah, that's uh, very true to form and. 
It's a shocking thing to hear, but it doesn't surprise me from no, the Joker. No, exactly that. Exactly that. But So we knew Joker was coming just from that, but it's a little bit surprised because I have seen this one before, definitely have, but I've forgotten a lot of the minutiae, a lot of the details. And what really was genius for me was when the plane lands, carrying the three villains, we knew who was coming first because of that voicemail, but did you spot what Joker's silhouette looked like before he stepped into the light and you saw his actual features? I know there was the corners of his hair and the bright eyes. Yeah. Which was just unmistakable, simply because of just like some of the outlines of the shapes. But what really struck me about that particular scene, I, I was thought you were going to talk more about this, was that there was like fairly ominous sort of foreboding music of just like, oh, the plane's coming. I wonder who's on it. Then the Joker steps out and it becomes bright and lilting and carnival-like. Then he steps down the steps and then we get Two Faces theme, which is just very like sort of grand and then like sort of repeating like a sort of dual sort of tones to it. And then you get the Penguin's theme, which is sort of like another sort of like grand and sort of over-the-top pompous sort of horns section. So they were able to keep their soundscapes, which was just another thing that just adds to their iconicism and mystique, which was a very nice thing to sort of see going forward. But did you not spot Joker's shadow? Joker's shadow was very obvious. No, but what it looked like? It was the Joker. Oh, see, because to me it was the devil. It was just a black silhouette with the two Two. horns and the glowing eyes, and it was... Nah, I was more interested in the music. I didn't see that. I saw the Joker. Oh, see, the music, again, you're right, because you see that darkness and you get that sound, which is so different, but that shadow, to me, just screamed the devil's here. But then again, couldn't you get that imagery from Batman? That's my case. It's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, but I would associate that more with the silhouette of Batman. That's why he's such an important figure of fit. That's why I will always respect a Batman with very longer ears. Yes, as opposed I'm to so like the little something ears. Because even though the shorter ears are probably more practical, but it's something about that look, and probably is better for like radio antenna junk or whatever. But I was more interested in the actual pacing of just showing these three titans of villainy the just, three. just pouring it out of the plane and we were just like ah this is actually going to be very serious interesting no because to me it's that thing that we've we've always said that Batman is the demon the devil with the heart of an angel whereas the Joker is the clown the figure of joy but inside he's a demon mm. and that literally showed the clown stepping out from the shadow of the demon I thought visually it was it was absolutely stunning I, I really really liked it but um, of course I love what you said earlier, that these are the big three. They're Batman's greatest nemeses, but they really don't like each other. In person, no. And Joker's comments to both of them are yeah. brilliant. He wouldn't really give them any other time of the day, any other, any other time. He just wanted whatever your Strange was offering and was just happy to coincide and you saw them all butt heads with each other just at one point or another until some well placed phrases here or there from maybe Penguin maybe the Joker himself sort of brought them back but the quips were very very strong which was just so telling I loved it because it's literally you could tell that they cannot stand to be in the same room with each other but they've got something to gain that's the only reason they're there but when Two-Face turns to Joker and says get out of my face clown and Joker says which one 
<laughs> and when Penguin pipes up and, and Joker's like, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Sardine breath. <laughs> it's just great because he honestly, physically, is the least is. dangerous of the three. Yeah, because Two-Face has the training and he's a little bit more muscular and he mm-hmm. knows what he's doing in the fight because of Big Bad Hov and Penguin's decked out with yes. the uh, tricked umbrella. But even with all of that, the Joker is still the most dangerous and, must, and mustn't ever be like carrying it out on. And that's why I think his clown look is so important because it throws you off guard. Hmm. Literally, mentally, um, he is the most dangerous out of the three. Well, it's been proven. It's been proven. But then again, going back to the way that he's been able to just sort of like verbally backhand each of them mm-hmm. without actually losing anything, because he can still say this, these things blatantly to their face, but with the intent that they were all here with something to gain and he's not going to lose any footing over Hugo Strange or any of that, really yeah. reminds me of Heath Ledger's portrayal or what would you end mm. up going into Heath Ledger's portrayal because there was something about Heath Ledger's Joker where no matter who he was talking to in any of his scenes he was always 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 get under their skin yes even to the one police officer who's just there to watch him do you want to know why his knife yeah. guns are too quick that conversation whoever he's talking to he can always get at them because even though he looks so innocuous so mm. bright and colourful and garishly grinning he will just like poke, poke, mm. and then the poke will wire up into a wound, and then he'll reach into the wound and then twist without you even realizing. That's the danger of a true manipulator. So that was just him starting that against some of the other most dangerous people in Gotham. And Absolutely. If he can do that, some of the most dangerous people in Gotham, he's one of the most dangerous people in the world. No shadow of that. He is the master manipulator. And Triple H, I'm sorry, nah. cerebral assassin, no, no, you no. got nothing on a Joker. Even though I love you, big guy, you've got nothing on the Joker. <laughs> I think the good deal about Hunter is that he's he does things with a lot of intent, and he's not as overt as the Even. Joker is. Uh, yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, and <laughs> he does he does that because he wants a championship, or because he wants to make sure Shawn Michaels is okay. Yes, we're digressing again. <laughs> <laughs> it goes to show who our heroes are. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, Joker is at his best, um, particularly when he's piloting the plane in his oh, Cruncho yeah. serial air command uniform. He's got the, the three it. of them have got Hugo Strange uh, in their grips, trying to like squeeze some actual information out of them, or to try and like get the money that they just sponged. He just sponged out of them back. But he has time for a costume change. Oh, so funny. For a gag that the other two villains and their wouldn't hostage wouldn't get. wouldn't get or wouldn't care about. It's just for us. But we got it. We got Yay. it. We got it. Oh, it's, it's just magic. And another great gag that he made on that flight that the uh, villains wouldn't get, but we got. I really feel like as the plane was going down, he made a very goofy-esque, yeah, hoo hoo mm-hmm. as the plane was going down. Yes, indeed. Which I don't think they're allowed to do because they're a Warner Brothers IP. But then again, it's a noise. Daffy Duck's Warner Brothers. That was a complete Daffy Duck no- noise. No, that sounded like Goofy of, of Disney fan. Oh yeah, you're right actually. That is more Goofy. Mm. But um, who's goofier than the Joker? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Genius. Um, I want to touch again as well though on the fact that even though he didn't appear in Yucca Springs belonged to Roland Daggett and again we know that he's going to have a, a more of a, an appearance 
on the series. So do you agree that every little instance, every little name drop is important in this show and really, really well handled? At this point, we're well over 30 episodes in. So we can assume that the world around these characters has been built up very established and very well and very clearly. So we know that Daggett's the anti-Bruce Wayne, this strong business figure that we really shouldn't trust. So having his name sort of crop up here shows that there's an important business venture that is grand and in some way out of the way that we really shouldn't trust. So it's great to see that there's this kind of continuity over something you wouldn't expect uh, Saturday morning cartoon to have a lot of continuity to it. And we have to talk again that the fact that Batman's identity was well and truly revealed and in a way which is incontrovertible. But, once again, we see that Batman's not just kicks and punches and knocking baddies out. He's smart. He's intelligent. He has a plan. As soon as he knows what the Stranger's Machine can do, he finds a way around it. And it's elegant and genius. What do you reckon of um, Bruce's way out of the trap? Well, this is just another thing that shows Bruce Wayne as the master of disguise and the master of strategy. I had every faith in him, and it was really rewarding when Alfred was there lamenting over the fact that he sort of confirmed the identity and let things slip. So when Batman said, oh, it's all right, this is going, this is going exactly right, um, to shout out to my young lady, the plan was going according to plan. <laughs> So I had every faith and it was really rewarding but also really confusing because it was just like, oh, there's Bruce Wayne and Batman on screen. This is bizarre and something you never expect to see but it was also just a wonderful work of disguise and shows how well Robin's trained because we should have expected that Robin would be more than just a bit part. We saw Robin actually as a equal hero in this, uh, yeah. this, in this episode. Not only here but saving is bacon by during some classic smoke and mirrors we saw him flying the bat plane the bat mm-hmm. wing right at the beginning it's just mm-hmm. like, I, I was actually very surprised by that oh he lets him fly that's cool yeah I was expecting him to be in like a red bird or like a red chopper or something but he was not actually in the proper bat plane which was really cool I, I'm so glad you said that because we started to see it in the Robin's Reckoning two-parter which I know you watched even though you weren't on the show and I, I love you for that so much so. very good pair of episodes um, but yeah Robin is absolutely Batman's equal from flying the Batwing to literally doing a performance of Bruce Wayne that Batman probably couldn't even match. He was more Bruce Wayne than Bruce Wayne was. And it's just another classic thing where I still say that's Alfred's theatrical training. That's the old thespian and that's what he's given the boys. The, The act of mimicry the acting, the way they can back each other up and Strange's reaction, Strange's confusion at seeing Bruce Wayne and Batman together and the thinking on his feet of, yeah, I knew your plan all along. No, I didn't. So I I had Bruce Wayne join me to to trap you and, and, and convince you that he was me. Business was just brilliant. They needed a way to disarm the thing because even if the supervillains didn't buy it, Hugo Strange would probably start telling the story in prison or in Arkham and start telling more people and more people. So it had to be contained one way or another. It was wonderful timing and wonderful management of all of their collective skills to be able to say, now we can make it look like Bruce Wayne and Batman are still two different people and it's fine. 
they were able to think their way around it and it was worked out in their favour which is just shows their wonderful planning skills of Bruce Wayne and that he's so well committed to Bruce Wayne as a disguise that with a decent bit of plan, a decent bit of trickery of uh, distraction tactics mm-hmm. and showing Bruce Wayne here and Batman here like face to face even though it's not the case and the strength of Bruce Wayne as a person where it's unthinkable to the three villains there on the plane when they hear it because I found that so funny that it was just an unthinkable idea that Bruce Wayne could be Batman that yeah it was worked out in the favour and that shows how well he's got this whole contingency sort of out I, I, I love everything you just said particularly when you think that like we mentioned that the evidence was incontrovertible but the evidence against was possibly even more incontrovertible because Hugo Strange saw Bruce Wayne and Batman right in front of his eyes not on a screen or a videotape right in front of his eyes together and oh son amazing what you said the fact that Harvey Dent knew Bruce Wayne Mm. and he goes nah no chance and Joker says people say I'm I'm crazy (laughs) brilliant absolutely it's such an unthinkable idea because Harvey Dent has known Bruce Wayne for a very long time Mm -hmm. they were in the same sort of like Ivy League trust fund circles in in Gotham when they were both coming to power where Bruce Wayne was a prominent businessman after coming back from his sabbatical or training or what yeah absolutely Harvey Dent was um, passing the bar and becoming district attorney Um, yeah they knew each other very well so it was unthinkable for him which is exactly how it was intended to be yeah so what you said so when it came around to it no there's no way that Bruce Wayne could be Batman it's crazy that you would think that it's like you said he's that committed to the role of Bruce Wayne that no one would ever even imagine that they could be one and the same person absolutely brilliant so let's just quickly talk about Hugo Strange himself um, played by actor Ray Buchtenica and we've we've frequently spoken about how this show gets the cream of the crop Hmm. now we've run through lists of shows that other actors have appeared in or movies or whatever but this dude it'd be easy to state what hasn't he appeared in this show is very good at getting actual un- Dude, unintentional legends it's it's bonkers because I was literally down the list and I just had to write a few because he was in everything from Rhoda to Hawaii Five-0 to Partridge Family Police Woman Love Boat Fantasy Island and the King Kong 1976 remake, remake which is the King Kong I grew up with but for nerds around the world he also appeared in Lois and Clark Star Trek Deep Space Nine and I'd forgotten this was a thing, and this is something else you need to see. In 2003, Adam West and Burt Ward made a movie. Really? Where they played Adam West and Burt Ward. And they got into an adventure of Batman 66-type proportions, and it's called Return to the Batcave, The Misadventures of Adam and Burt. And Ray Buchtenica had a role in that movie. What what was he? (laughs) Did you you catch that in your research? Um... I have seen it, ah, but I I, I need to see it again because I need to see who his characters. Because I thought he actually played Adam West's Butler, which would make him Alfred. But I think he just played a character called Butler because my memory of the sh- of the movie is slightly lost to the mist of time. Because again, this was a period when I tried to disavow myself from the Adam West Batman, and um, two thousand and three was a big like what, seventeen years ago. Where Batman's dark image was back, but since then I've, I've I've had to turn around and say no. Actually, I've got to admit that my gateway drug into mm. Batman was Batman 
as Adam West. And so. I'd like to state uh, on the record for however many thousands or hundreds or twos of people are listening here, <laughs> I'd like to point out that family, friends, family, oh, friends, and people on the street have come to me and asked, but I'm going to say categorically here, I was not, not, not <laughs> named after Adam West. He wasn't. He really wasn't. But um, believe what you like. <laughs> it's not true. Believe what you like, yeah. it's not true. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. So here we come to what we do every week, where we pick a moment, an image, a piece of music, something that stuck out for us about this episode, good or bad. What was your takeaway from the strange secret of Bruce Wayne? I enjoyed a particularly excellent character moment between two pillars of Gotham's law enforcement community right at the beginning of the episode. I loved a moment where, after the hostage situation and the blackmailing incident was wrapped up, Commissioner Gordon just wanders off to the edge of the bridge, looks out in the middle distance, and starts talking to the air because he knows that Batman will hear him, because he knows that he can count on Batman's omnipresence, and... He can count on Batman being this eternal guardian over the city. And he knows that there was something afoot and he knew that Batman was involved, but he didn't know where on the bridge he was or even if he was still there. He just spoke out because he had faith in his friend and the protector. I think that was just a wonderful, quite understated little character moment. Dude, we have got the same brain. We do. Because that's the one I wanted to pick out too. And not just because of how amazing the dynamic and the relationship between the two characters is. Between the two characters is... But the fact that when Jim's there talking to the air, when the camera does pan and you see that Batman is standing there, it's just literally his shadow, his ears and his eyes. You don't see the bottom of the cowl, his face, his jawline or anything. He is literally just that shadow. And it's a thing of beauty. And that's something this episode did brilliantly well We've talked about Frank Powell's direction before. I think this would be his strongest episode yet visually. Yep. And that's saying something. It's um, also particularly good because he was able to direct a lot of this episode in A, daylight. Yes. B, managing very big characters. Uh, one first appearance and uh, three recurring villains. And very little Batman, technically. And the beauty of Batman being driven by Alfred and Peril. We got a lot in this episode, which is why it was so remarkable and really stuck out for me and we also got Bruce Wayne doing one arm push ups show off <laughs> show off so that's it that's another episode in the bag one I thoroughly enjoyed but hey if you listen to this show regularly you know that we're yet to have one we didn't thoroughly enjoy even some of the ones that are a little bit more controversial or not so loved there's something great in all of them. There really is. And we can find the value in all things. We try not to shine light on negativity or why things are bad. We try to lift up why things are good and what things could have been better. Yeah. We don't want to bash things. Spots on. bashing things. Absolutely right. So, young sir, young master Adam, where can the world and his mother read your work or find out more about you? Uh, to read my work on bat-flavoured things, I review many titles on Dark Knight News and DC Comics News. For other writings and musings, you can turn to ourbabyfantasticuniverses.com, where I talk about my true loves, tabletop gaming and PC gaming. Follow me on Twitter at IzzetTinkerer, I-Z-Z-E-T-Tinkerer. I promise I'll be a little bit more active, because it's mostly just me complaining about when people beat me at card games. <laughs> 
And you can follow the antics of me and some university friends on YouTube at The Hostile Atmosphere or coming soon after our deep revamp at No Ordinary Heroes. Ooh, they're back. We're back. We've been going through an effort to try and rebrand to make ourselves look a little bit more polished and shiny, but we are doing our utmost. We just need to put some new stuff on there. But we will be coming back to you live and direct once the Backstreet Boys stop ruining everything. Exciting. And you, sir. Um, easiest way to read all my insane ramblings across the internet is by searching Steve J. Ray on Google or your search engine of choice or again searching Fantastic Universes which is our baby where we chat about lots of stuff not just DC and comics but lots of other cool stuff too as for this show this is one of four currently but we might be working on a fifth very very soon watch this space Um, yes the original DC Comics News podcast where we talk DC news every week funnily enough Uh, Mad Love the Harley Quinn cast which is a similar show to this but a lot less grown up even though it's a lot more grown up Try and make that of that what you will. And of course, the spinner rack where we try and get the fans to decide more easily which comics to pick up that week. And you can catch all those shows on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play and Apple iTunes. You can catch Dark Knight News and DC Comics News on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube and Instagram. So, without being said, he's Adam Ray. He's the Knight. Together, we are the Knight. This has been the I Am The Night podcast. So, Adam, what does everyone out there really need to do? Read more comics. And watch more Batman. Thank you for listening. Bye now.